All right, so uh, we are only actually preaching our fourth uh, value today, so don't feel too bad if you didn't know one. I'm joking, you should feel bad if you don't know one of the values that we've, that we've, that we've preached over the last few weeks, and yes, it is in the video, but anyway, we did start a few weeks ago uh, with devotion uh, as our first, uh, sorry, devotion was not our first value, we, we spoke about that last week, but, but that is our first value, it's just that we very deliberately started in a particular order, so we first spoke about unity, then generosity, devotion, and today we are talking about warmth, warmth, W-A-R-M-T-H, not as in let's get hot, Let's be warm and welcoming. We, we prefer this to the term hospitality, even though hospitality is probably the, the, the better technical umbrella term, and it is a biblical term, but, but so often I think we can, we can confuse the meanings of, of different words, or we can see hospitality as let's just make sure everything's excellent, everything's neat, and we've got good coffee, and, and, and the, the Sami is you know, warm and not too flat, and, and you know, like, like, like let, let's tick all the excellence boxes, but it's so much more than that. Warmth speaks to, to us actually caring, to us actually wanting people to be here. Like, like we, don't, we don't wanna just, just tick boxes and make sure that we you know, uh, greet or give the, the occasional high five. We actually want people to feel welcome, to feel like they belong, like they, like they matter. And, and that is both in the church and just in your life in general. So again, I'm, I'm gonna keep reiterating that these are not just church values, I believe that these are kingdom values. So if you're a follower of Jesus, these are core values that God wants us to care about. And by the way, you'll also keep hearing us say, hopefully, that we are meant to make the most difference where we are the most. So, so that is not just on a Sunday. We don't wanna be on on a Sunday when you're on duty, if you're serving somewhere, and then off the rest of the week, and you're a miserable person to interact with, or you're a cold person to interact with, or you're an uncaring person to interact with. Now, now if you're not following Jesus, that's, then you can be, that's okay. But if you're following Jesus, please know that you cannot follow him in the sense that we give him influence over our lives, authority over our lives, we cannot follow him where we are allowing him to love us and us not be moved with love for other people. And that, and that is why we talk about loving God and loving people because that is what Jesus said is the greatest commandment. And, and I would argue that we cannot actually grow in loving God if we're not growing. The sign that we are growing in loving God is that we are growing in loving people, especially people that are different to us, people that we disagree with, people that we don't find easy to, to, to frankly, to get along with. There's a supernatural to warmth that I want us to catch today. And without, without wanting to, to spend too much time on this, I am convinced to my bones that people need warmth. People need to feel welcome. People need to feel accepted even if there isn't agreement. I, I, I'm convinced that the age that we're living in, people need so much more than just entertainment or distractions or stimulation or knowledge or screens or just the next dopamine hit or the next adrenaline high. People need something more. So I'm happy for Mark Zuckerberg and the meta universe and Musk can go to Mars, that's fine. But, but, but I'm telling you, people need more than just living in a digital world. It, that is a counterfeit world for the most part. Not completely, I'm great, listen, I'm grateful for technology. I, 
I am, I'm happy for people that are dating and that if they've got data can video call with, I remember when Sue and I were dating, which makes it sound like it was a really long time ago, which I guess it was. I remember going away for a few weeks at one point and, and I think that there was one occasion that I had enough money to have a half an hour phone call with her. Because how many of you remember how much it used to cost to make a, a phone call from your, from your cell phone? Hey, it was like you, you went bankrupt. Now you can just talk for hours, which is also dangerous. That's like another side to it, if you're dating and you, know, you keep talking until three o'clock in the morning. Not too much good comes out of that. But, but, but I'm grateful. I'm grateful that with our daughter who lives in Joburg, that we can, that we can video call and interact. That's great, that's great. If it's serving the purpose of people, but not if, it is, not if it is removing us. And we do live in an age and a moment where people can be more entertained than ever before, more distracted than ever before, more stimulated. We can live off of counterfeit highs more than ever before, but it still leaves a, a yearning and a longing and a gap that, is, that cannot be fulfilled ultimately by screens. People need people. We want to be a warm and welcoming environment. We want people to actually, especially people that don't yet believe in God, we want people to, to feel like, I don't know about this God thing yet, but, but these people sure seem warm and welcoming. Like maybe, maybe I'll like press in a little bit. Maybe I'll stick around and see if this is for real or if they're all just you know, pulling the wool over our eyes. Because by the way, you can only fake that for so long. So just to be abundantly clear, we're not talking about putting on a, when you, when you come to church on Sunday, or if you bump into someone at the shop that knows you, just so you know, being in the ministry does kind of tend to make you a little bit more self-aware when you're in public, because you just don't know, you, like, like I don't recognize other people always, even though they might recognize me, and so I've kind of always got to make sure I'm behaving, like in the traffic and, and stuff like that. But, but the point is, it's not just when people know that you're meant to be looking a certain way. No, no, we, you can only fake it for so long. We actually want God to give us a supernatural love that manifests through being warm and welcoming. Here's the statement that, that we're trying to, to craft around this value. We invest and invite and are warm and welcoming because every person matters to God. Every person matters to God. Every person matters to God. And God might just want us to dig the deepest in loving the person you naturally love the least. Church, in theory, should be the safest, most welcoming place on the planet. In practice, we know that that's not true. In practice, we know that sometimes there's even conflict between churches or groups of churches where you're just thinking, like, I think the enemy like laughs, like, hey, thanks guys, like you're doing our work for us. Not to mention actually being being warm and welcoming and open to, to people that are not on the same journey or, the, or that are not, that don't have the same convictions. Romans 12 verse nine says, don't just pretend to love others. Again, that'll come out quickly and that's where we feed the hypocrisy narrative that the world has about Christians. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Think about that. Take delight in honoring each other. Love each other with genuine affection. Verse 11 says, never be lazy. That's part of hospitality. That's part of being warm and welcoming. It does take effort. And it's okay for it to take effort. 
This isn't a salvation issue. This is a love issue. This is a maturity issue. It's okay for it to take effort. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Guys, if I can just have a pet peeve moment. Hear my heart. <laughs> if you're serving on a team or consider serving on a team, please, please, for the love of everything holy, don't see, don't see it as doing us a favor. I mean, I understand the human dynamic and I understand that you're serving, um, in most cases, under a team leader or someone, and there are people involved. But guys, if it's not about serving the Lord enthusiastically, and if we think we're doing a favor, well, then it doesn't matter whether we rock up or don't rock up, whether we come on time or don't come on time, whether or not we say what we said, you know, whether or not we do what we said we were gonna do or we don't do what we said we were gonna do. Like, and that then causes disunity and frustration. No, no, like, we serve the Lord enthusiastically. And again, enthusiasm warmth, smiling, all these things will look different on different people. So we're not, we're not asking you to look exactly the same. It'll look different on someone that is introverted and shy. It'll look different on someone that's extroverted and charismatic. Although you can be introverted and charismatic and you can be, I guess, you know, charismatic and shy. Anyway, so it's gonna look different on different people. Enthusiasm will look different on different personality types. But guys, if you are trying to serve God through different means, ask yourself, am I doing this with enthusiasm? Or is this just a duty? Like, is this just drudgery? Because I wanna remind you, it is a privilege that we get to serve God. And if, and if, and if you don't want to serve God, that's okay, just own it. Just be honest about it, that's okay. We know that God is far more comfortable with us being honest than us thinking we can deceive him. Like, that's okay, let's just be real about where we're at. But I wanna encourage you, the goal is to serve God enthusiastically. Verse 12, rejoice in our confident hope be patient in trouble and keep on praying. How does this all connect with hospitality, being warm and welcoming? Well, because there are times where we're gonna have to be patient. There are times where we're gonna need hope because we get a little bit disillusioned. And again, if you've been around church long enough and you've served in different areas, you know that it can get a little bit dry and a little bit stale and you can be putting in a lot of time and effort and just feel like, like there's nothing to show for it. No one appreciates it, no one seems to care, no one notices. So there are times where we need to be patient and to keep on praying. And then verse 13, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. There's that word. Always be eager to practice hospitality. The original, so the English translation is translated from the Greek version of the New Testament. And that word hospitality in the New Testament means philoxenia, which literally means love for strangers. Now think about that for a moment. Surely that's supernatural. I don't naturally have love for strangers. I mean, some strangers, like some people are easy to love from a distance. Others are hard to love from a distance. There's certain politicians that I don't easily love from a distance. But then there are other people that, you know, you can have compassion on children that you hear about somewhere. But all around, to be able to love people that you don't know and that you don't understand. Guys, in my opinion, what we're talking about is something supernatural. Again, it's repeated Hebrews 13, verse two. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. And I would argue, just as a side note, that if we can't show hospitality to strangers here, surely we're gonna struggle to show hospitality to, to people, to strangers at work that you're not in relation with, to people that you interact with in the community or at school. Why the word warmth? Well, we feel like it better describes the, 
the way of hospitality. Ephesians 4 verse 2 and then 32 uses words like being humble and gentle, patient, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Verse 32, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. That's, to me, that speaks of warmth. Gentle, kind, tender-hearted, forgiving, patient. And again, it is supernatural. Some of you know a verse from the previous chapter in this book of Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter three, verse 20, where it says, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power to work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Anyone ever heard of that before? Maybe, maybe in a different translation uh, where it talks, uh, now to him who's able to do above and beyond we could ever imagine or exceedingly and abundantly above. That's okay, you guys are allowed to respond. Any hands? You've, you've, you've heard of this passage before? So, so I've gotta be honest and say that in most cases I've heard this passage being referred to as in like, hey, God, basically God can do it. Like God, God can perform the miracle beyond anything that you could hope or imagine. And, and now because of who God is, that's true, but that's not actually the context of this verse. This verse is actually in the context of Paul who's writing to the Ephesians. It's actually in the context of him talking about the miraculous unity that, that, that can only be achieved infinitely above and beyond anything we could hope or imagine between, from God between Jews and non-Jews, Jews and Gentiles. In other words, this verse, Paul, this verse that we, that we love to quote, Paul's writing this in the context of loving people that you wouldn't naturally love. Getting along with people that are actually different to you, being able to value people in spite of differences. Imagine if that became our key verse when we think of loving others, loving strangers, loving people that are difficult. No, 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 God is able to do infinitely more than we might ask or think. You don't look terribly overwhelmed by that, so I'm gonna let it sink in a bit because that's quite a significant, meaningful thought. He is able to do infinitely more than we might hope or think in helping us love people that are different to us, people that you wouldn't naturally be able to love. And I think that what that speaks of is whether or not you agree, whether or not you like someone, you're able to place a dignity on that person. You're able to be patient with the person. You're able to be gracious. Grace by sheer definition means it's free. It's a gift. It's undeserved. If you, if you think someone deserves grace, it's not grace. It's just something else, but it's not grace. Grace is, is completely, thoroughly undeserved. I think, I think that this supernatural ability to love people is where there's also a determination to understand. And I think, again, we're living in a cultural moment where there is very little patience to understand or to empathize. And don't worry, just because you want to understand doesn't mean that you're gonna agree, but but are we at least willing to understand? Are we at least willing to understand why something might be an issue for someone, why something might be a challenge for someone, why something might be an addiction for someone, why something might be a problem for someone? And, and, and I'm not even gonna be polite about this. That is one of the things that I think is most toxic and sick about online interactions, is, is how, how much hatred and vitriol and, and venom there is in, in, in addressing disagreements where you're totally dehumanizing the person on the other side of this debate or this conversation. And I just, I don't see Jesus treating people like that. So again, if you're not a follower of Jesus, have at it. But if you, if you, if you think you're following Jesus, then something is gonna shift where, where 
where we're actually going to, again, we're going to, for us to care about their soul, we have to care about their story. And if we don't care about the story, then again, let me just encourage you to be honest with yourself. I don't care about their soul. It's easy to care about a duty or a, or, or a responsibility or, or a person, you know, in terms of just briefly greeting, but to actually care about a person where there's a whole bunch of baggage, there's a whole bunch of differences in history, that is supernatural, but that is what it means to actually love and care. And I think that that is what is meant to make followers of Jesus stand out. And that's not gonna be because of a particular church or a particular denomination or a particular brand. It's gonna be because individuals from Sunday to Saturday, Monday to Sunday, have you, have you wanna look at it? Wherever they are, there is a patience. They are slow to speak, quick to listen. They seek to understand. Even if our conclusions are still gonna be different, can we care enough to understand that this is a human being that has a story, there is history, there's a reason why this person is where they are? I think that that is a supernatural love. 1 Corinthians 13 verse four says, love is patient, it's not a trick question, and kind. Surely, surely that's enough to define warmth. Can we just be patient and can we just be kind? Surely that's enough to define love. I think everything else, every other definition that we wanna to give to love can hang off of patience and kindness. How we respond and how we are proactive. And of course, Jesus is our example. Paul comments on this in Romans 15 verse seven. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. That's in the ESV. The, the NLT version puts it this way. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. We can only love as we've been loved. We can only accept as we've been accepted. We can only welcome as we've been welcomed. And that's why I'm saying it is supernatural. And the more that we realize that I am no more worthy than the next person of God's love. I am no more worthy than the next person of his forgiveness. Like why wouldn't that slow us down in caring for people and being willing to being willing to discipline ourselves, to put prejudices aside. To, to be prejudiced means to prejudge. That's all it is. So, so to not judge an appearance, an accent, a, a, a lifestyle. So here's the challenge, because, because my assumption, just so you know, I actually think that most of us probably want to live this way. So if you're a follower of Jesus, chances are there's a desire inside of you to want to love well. And by the way, loving well doesn't mean that you just accept everything and that, and that you wash over stuff. Loving well also means that you have some tough conversations. It means that when you have enough credibility and enough uh, relationship and enough trust, you can have some tough conversations and you can disagree and, and the relationship can carry that weight. So, so when, we, when we talk about loving well, we're not talking about anything overly sentimental or trivial or superficial. I'm talking about something that can carry some weight, but I believe that for most of us, we actually want to love well, but here's the challenge. The way we live affects the way we love. The way we live affects the way we love. Our intentions, good intentions, are not good enough. So we might want to love well, but if we live badly, we're not going to be able to Love well. I'll give you some examples in terms of obstacles to loving well, obstacles to warmth. Busyness. 
is probably the single greatest obstacle to your average follower of Christ being able to love well. I've mentioned this before, but the Chinese pictograph for the word busy is made up of two characters, heart and killing. So when they talk about being busy, they talk about killing your heart. So next time you're tempted, you know, when someone asks you, hey, how are you doing? Hey, man, I've just been so busy. May the Holy Spirit remind you that you're probably slowly killing your heart. Now, there's a difference between, between having a full you know, plate and, 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 and maybe going through a bit of a winter season and there's, and there's quite a bit that you're being stretched and challenged with, but, but, let's, but let's stop making busyness an acceptable addiction. Because busyness will destroy our intentions perhaps more than almost anything else. You can have the greatest intentions in the world. You can, you can have the most meaningful 15 minutes of quiet time in the morning with God. And then the next, you know, 17 hours are just manic and you wonder why you're not overflowing with the fruit of the Spirit. Our worst moments, I imagine, are when we are rushed, stressed out, pressured, and trying to squeeze too much in. We're trying to juggle way too many balls. Those are when we become prickly. That's when we lose our capacity for interruption, and we need capacity for being appropriately interrupted. We need, or at least to, to respond to that interruption in a, in a godly way. We need capacity for compassion. We need, we need capacity for empathy. So busyness, I think, is a huge obstacle. Another obstacle, I think, is disillusionment. And again, I'm speaking to people that have maybe been on this road for a while, and you've, and you've started to experience what I've experienced at different times in my life called compassion fatigue, where you just get so tired of all the different needs and trying to give out and love out. And, and, and if our being with Jesus cannot sustain our doing for Jesus, it's not gonna be sustainable. And so that's why we have to come back to making sure that everything is actually a response. It's out of a healthy, regular, rhythmic, life-giving relationship with God. I think we become disillusioned when we don't see the results or the changes in people's lives that we'd like to see. Just so you know, church would be very easy if it wasn't for people. <laughs> Ministry would be very encouraging if it wasn't for people. But, but it actually takes faith. It takes faith to keep sowing, to keep chipping away, to keep doing what you can, trusting God with the results. It really does. Like, it's not an easy, you may think it's a rewarding, it's not a, it's not a terribly rewarding vocation. When you feel like I've said the same thing 47 different ways and I still don't think anyone's doing it. And what that does is it puts me in my place because I'm not God. And by the way, even God won't make you do what he wants you to do. He doesn't control you, that's the enemy. And so, and so, and so it keeps encouraging this faith. And so, yeah, we've got to be careful. We have to guard against disillusionment. And just one more obstacle would be a lost awareness of God's love. A lost awareness of God's love. And I, and I don't say this lightly. I'm saying we have to, guys, over the years, obviously we've seen lots of people that they wanna take a break or step down, sometimes for good reasons and sometimes just because they're tired, they're, they're too busy. And, and, it's, and, and they are right that their lives are disordered, but if they don't 
correctly reorder their lives with God, just stepping out of ministry, just stepping out of serving, stepping out of volunteering. Maybe that's a word for someone here today. You, you and I don't get burnt out from too much physical activity, right? You've got people around the world that, that, that do hard labor for 12, sometimes 14 hours a day. That's not good, that's called slavery. But, 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 but that, you don't burn out from that. We burn out from our emotional tank and stress and what, and so, and so again, if I, if I am falsely thinking that I'm refreshing through hours every night of series, gaming, social media, that, that's a false sense of rest. It's not replenishing. It is resting from work, but it's not replenishing. It's not refreshing me. If I'm not spending life-giving time with God, guys, the ministry will destroy you. That's, that's why I say to pastors, ministry is, is the single greatest can be the single greatest obstacle to your relationship with God. So, so be careful. God, I'm, I'm talking about pastors. And it's not about, it's not about that, they, that they shouldn't be in the ministry or shouldn't be doing stuff, it's just the order. So I'm, guys, I'm just telling you, if we, if we allow ourselves to live for lengthy seasons without slowing down, to be present with God and to allow Him Remember, we spoke about this, I think, last week under devotion, like to actually experience the love of God. Well, then, of course, we're going to get burnt out, disillusioned. And just so you know, I've been burnt out. And that's not a, that's not a heroic statement. That's, that is a reflection of the order of things in my life at the time. And it took me a long time, a painfully long time, to actually try and reorder so that I'm trying to love and serve as a response to God, not out of a need to be needed, but, but out of a response to God and out of a, as few strings attached as possible, love for people. I say as few strings, because again, like be kind to yourself, we're human. I'm not gonna lie and say you, you don't get disappointed if you give your life to someone for a few years and they give you the middle finger, like that's not nice. I mean, that doesn't happen, but I'm just, you know, like, like that's not nice, but, but you're not, but you're not attached to that. You're not, your life isn't built on that. If your life is built on whether or not people appreciate you, well, definitely don't become a parent and don't get involved in any kind of ministry or social justice or anything. Where, guys, make no mistake. Like, like that's not gonna sustain you. Anyway, okay, those are some of the challenges. Yes, there are some solutions. Because again, the way we live affects the way we love. Can we say that together? The way we live affects the One more time. Can you look at the person next to you? Say, don't be dumb. <laughs> the way you live determines the way you love. Now, now, now look at your second choice. Don't do that, actually. <laughs> Who's single here this morning? Just very quickly, just stick your hand up real high, real high, real high, real high, real high, real high, real high. Just, just, just keep it up and look around. Just, just look around, okay? We, we, we don't take a big, a big share of the labola when, when the negotiations begin. Just saying church is a good place to, to meet someone. Just so you know, I did see one or two married people put their hands up next to their spouse. That's, don't know, don't know, I don't know what that's about, but, uh, but that's a different sermon and we'll, we'll, have, a, we'll, have, a, we'll have a counseling session uh, afterwards, okay. All right, quickly, a couple of, couple, of, couple of solutions. These are not profound. One is space. Just space. Guys, we have to have breathing space. 
I, I get it that the world thinks it's heroic when you only need three hours sleep a night and you can, and you, can you know, just, just live with, with almost no margin. That's great, but that's the world. I, I've, come to, I've come to really disrespect that in the sense of like, that's great, but I think, you've, I think you're completely deceived because you may be able to achieve something, but you cannot become a whole healthy person with the meaningful relationships, self-care, living out some purpose. You cannot, you cannot do that when, you, when you're working 100 hours a week. In fact, secular research shows that, that, that pretty much once a person hits 55 hours a week, it's, it's pretty much a zero-sum game. Like, like they just stop actually being fruitful. So, so there's a sense of activity, like, like you're on a treadmill, you're active, and so, and so you, again, that's why it can be an idol, that's why it can be an addiction, that's why workaholism is a real thing, because we, we feel a value that we keep moving, 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 but you're not getting anywhere. So we do need some space. Margin is the difference between our load and our limits. Stop living at the limit margin. We need some space. We can't do everything. We cannot meet every need. We do need breathing room. And again, I would just argue that the most meaningful moments take place between our load and our limits. Our most meaningful moments take place between our load and our limits. Being patient requires capacity. It requires margin. Being undeservedly kind requires capacity. We need space in our lives. It's the space between the logs that allows the fire to breathe and to burn. Another solution which is very closely connected is just simply slowing, slowing down. Now, now they're very, very closely connected, but, but again, you can force space as in, okay, okay, I've got 15 minutes for you, I've made some space for you in my life. That doesn't mean that you're gonna be present and unrushed and, and able to enjoy anything of depth and meaning. This might be a revelation for some of us, but relationships are not efficient. Relationships are not efficient. It's not another job to get done. It's not another box to tick. And that's also why the way we spend time with God matters. It's not just putting the space aside. It's, oh, we're trying to jam pack it full of everything so that we feel, okay, I got through everything I needed to get through. I, had, I did, I did my, my 14 devotional plans and I, and I prayed through the Lord's Prayer and I did that other pray thing that they talk about with pause, reflect, ask, yield. You know. but, but, but you're so tight in trying to rush everything into that gap that you walk away not having been able to actually just enjoy being with God. Hospitality is not efficient. It requires time and capacity. And, and I would argue, at least this is me, maybe you're different, but I struggle to notice needs in a rush. When I'm just skimming the surface, when I'm just rushing from thing to thing, need to need, project to project, it is hard to actually notice the needs. And lastly is solitude. Again, it all keeps coming back to our relationship with God. Spending slowed down, unrushed, refreshing time with God. If you want to be warm and welcoming in terms of genuinely, supernaturally loving people, let me remind you, you cannot give what you do not possess. You cannot give what you do not possess. So practically, okay, Jason, that's all great theory, philosophy. Okay, I'll try and be a little bit kinder tomorrow. Okay, let me, can I just quickly give you a couple of tips as far as church goes? Because whether you like it or not, 
You and I, we do represent God. Every single Sunday, people are, are investigating, exploring, giving it a go. We have no idea what people are walking in with, what kind of baggage, hurt, skepticism, who's been hurt in a church before, who's been hurt by a, a Christian or spiritual leader before, we don't know. But I desperately want us to care about this. I desperately want us to have that radar wand going where we're just looking out, we, 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 we we're just saying, Holy Spirit, is there anyone that I can connect with? Is there anyone that I can just greet? Anyone that I can just go and introduce myself to and shake their hand or smile at them or whatever the case is? And not, again, not because you're on duty. In fact, I would argue that most, that the most sincere hospitality is normally felt by those that are not on duty. So when people realize like, you mean you don't have to greet me? Like, okay. So, practically, I wanna remind you that people are more important than programs. Programs are there to serve people. First impressions are lasting impressions. And your warm impression can cover over a multitude of imperfections in the service. People can walk away from you not remembering a single thing about the service, but they can remember that someone seemed to be patient. Someone seemed to actually notice and care. And they, and they weren't just rushing on after five seconds because they, they, they ticked the box and said, hi, what's your name? You know, and moved on. So practically, practically, I beg you to come to church a bit earlier than what you would normally come to church, unless you already come half an hour early, in which case it's probably sufficient. But don't, don't try to come to church on time. Can I suggest, and I say this lovingly, hear my heart. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But let's, but let's just be honest about this. If I'm only aiming to get you on time, then, then let me be honest that it's just about me. And maybe God, sure, but... But it, but it is a me and God thing, which you've got the rest of the week for it to be only you and God. I'm asking you to, 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 I'm not asking you to care about God less. I'm not asking about, I'm not asking you to be less hungry for you. I'm just saying, can we broaden it slightly? And in some cases, just coming 10 minutes earlier, 15 minutes earlier. And it's not just, because, and it's not just being earlier to notice, it's, it's arriving unrushed. We all know what it's like when we're trying to get somewhere on time and we're rushed. Like you just like you like wiping sweat off as you just kind of get to the thing, and you hope they haven't gotten into the second song yet, and and you kind of start getting present with God by the time we're doing the closing prayer. No, just give yourself some margin. Pay attention. Just just look out for someone that that you can connect with, like. One person, imagine, imagine if every person that is a follower of Jesus that considers themselves a partner in this church, imagine if every single week, every person was just looking out for one person. Just one. Or one couple. Just so you know, couples also don't necessarily have any connection with other people. Like, look out for people that, you know, are not connected. Imagine the difference that it make. Practically, check your face. Check your face. Again, you don't have to even be talking to people, but just please try not to look miserable. Like, I mean, try. Smile. Smile with your eyes. Smile with your face. You don't have to be goofy. You don't have to look like someone else. You don't have to be like, no, no, just, again, sincere, warm. For those, I mean, we've often over the years said this to our volunteers, our dream teamers, please don't, please don't stand in a closed circle. I am so grateful that when I first started coming to church that people were open. People were willing to include me. 
And perhaps more than anything else, I want to encourage you to keep praying for eyes to see. God, help me to see people. Help me to see people as I come to church. Help me to see people as I go to school or in the community or in the shops. Help me to see people that I'm on the bus with or on the taxi with. If you were here on, I can't remember what evening it was. We did the five days of focuses last week, which was fantastic, by the way. Thank you so much to the production team, to the worship team for, for helping facilitate that. But, but, but someone shared a story, and I've heard others share like this as well, how, how, how in her darkest moment, tra- tra- like she was traumatized in the hospital with a little boy who had just been ridden over, how, how it was a staff member, it was a security guard who, who came alongside her and spoke hope and faith and kindness and healing. I'm so grateful that she didn't keep her warmth to when she's at church on a Sunday. Someone very close to me who, who's battled drugs for many, many years, was in hospital after a particular overdose. And, and again, it was an orderly that just stood with him, spoke hope into him, spoke faith into him, prayed with him. Come on, man. If you're a follower of Jesus, may God do something in our hearts. May we love people well. May we be warm and welcome.